All right. Welcome back to this week's edition of Second City Sports Zoom Style. Zoom Style. <laughs> Along with creator and co-founder and founder of the founder of Second City Sports Radio Program, I am Sydney Brown. You can follow me on Twitter at SidKid80 and Instagram at SidKid80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. You can follow me at Kina McGee on Twitter and at Kina underscore McGee on the Instagram. All right, and this is our first show for the month of August, and today we have special guests to talk about NBA basketball, and time permitting a little bit more, is Cam Smith. He's from CN100 Chicago Sports. You can watch him on Watch Stadium and MSG Networks in New York City. Cam, welcome to the program. How are you today? I'm good, Sid. I appreciate joining you and the Kena and, and being the first guest of August. This is fun, so I'm excited to be on. Yep, yep. No problem. Um, before we get started, where can people follow you on social media? You can just follow me at Cameron Smith. So no underscores, no numbers, anything like that. So just uh, Cameron Smith and no Ian Cameron. So you can get straight to me there. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. All right. <laughs> Let's get started. We are in, in the middle of week two as, as of this podcast of the NBA in the bubble down there in Orlando, Florida. Uh, we'll, we'll start with the Los Angeles Lakers. You are listening to national sports radio. All these uh, fake debate shows, as I call them, <laughs> they all worried about the Lakers. Of course, on Thursday night, they lost to the Houston Rockets, won their 13-97. LeBron James said I was a sore right growing. Uh, let's be uh, real here, guys. Um, the Lakers are getting prepared for the playoffs. They already clinched the number one team in the West. Cam, since you're the basketball junkie on this show, I'll ask you, should people be worried about the Lakers, or is this just, uh, or is this actually something there? No, you know what? I don't think that they should be concerned about the Lakers in terms of right now, with especially them losing against Houston. LeBron's out, and it's more so of him just getting his rest uh, before things pop off for the playoffs. What I think fans really should be concerned about is the Blazers getting that eighth seed and facing y'all against the Lakers in that opening round matchup in the Western Conference. So that's what they really should be worried about. And it's not so much on deficiencies with the Lakers. It's more so on how hot Portland is playing led by Damian Lillard. We saw the other night that he had 45 points and was just a menace. That's probably one of the most feared players in the NBA at the guard spot is Dame Lillard because he can take over games. We've seen where he can do when in terms of he steps over half court, he can just let it launch. But it's not even just Dame. It's also C.J. McCollum. And a guy that's been unsung for this restart in the NBA bubble is Gary Trent Jr. This is a guy that played at Duke for one season, had to really earn his minutes. And you heard Terry Stott say that about Gary Trent. Since they've been down in Orlando, this is the young guy that had to earn his minutes. And now that he's earned them, he's become another option for Dan Lillard to find, other than C.J. McCollum, that can keep defenses at bay. So that is what they're bringing from the guard spot. Then you think about their bigs that they have, a young Zach Collins. They have Yusuf Nurkic back as well from injury. So these are all pieces that they can bring problems to the court, no matter who they match up against. And we've been watching that with the Portland Trailblazers in each game that they've played since this restart. And Dane made it clear before the NBA bubble popped off was that if they weren't going to be in contention, then he was going to sit out the game. What's the flip side of that? The Blazers are in contention, and you're seeing how locked in Dane Willow is. So I don't think it's more of a kind of, oh, we need to be concerned about what the Lakers have going on. It's more so be concerned about what that matchup could present for them in that opening round matchup against the Portland Trailblazers. But the Lakers look fine. They're going to have their bumps. Obviously, everybody's not going to go undefeated. They're going to have guys rest and take time off. Anthony Davis has had 
had a couple of games where he's taken off LeBron James as well, as we saw the other night against Houston. So this is a team still working the chemistry out, but they earned the number one seed for a reason. It's very difficult to really get locked in after having a four-and-a-half-month layoff and really uniting back with your teammates, one physically on a uh, personal aspect, to solo get yourself in condition, get yourself in shape, dust the, the dust off of the game and, and really reconnect with the teammates. So for them to do that, it speaks to just the chemistry that they have for the Lakers, but they have some things that they have to look forward to, and that's going to be Portland that could be waiting for them. And then AC, we got to see what Memphis is going to do too, though. Well, speaking of Memphis, I was going to ask you, Memphis have, have lost every game since this since this restart has started, and you know they lost Jaron Jackson Jr., the one good player that they did that they did have, because everyone else is pretty much kind of like you know, still at home. And so what do you think of the chance of the Grizzlies perhaps maybe hanging on to that eighth spot? I don't think there's no chance at all, Akina. Honestly, I don't think there is. Because you look at the schedule that they have uh, remaining, they're playing against some tough teams. And we saw New Orleans, um, just how horribly they've played. They've been trash since the bubble jumped back off um, in Orlando. So they're out of the picture. And again, you have a Blazers team that, that, that's just riding high. And keep this in mind, Portland has made the playoffs. So they have those veterans on their team that have the playoff experience and understands what it takes when it comes to late season play to get themselves ready for the playoffs. It's a, it's, it's a different story for, for Memphis, and they're led by a young point guard, John Moran, who's a rookie, and it's been phenomenal. He's my rookie of the year. He has my vote, and he should be the rookie of the year. And if he's not, then they have to kind of retool the voting process and how what they, what they consider the rookie of the year. But he is a guy that, again, has a lot on his plate. And you're talking about one of the better young bigs in the NBA and Jaron Jackson Jr. going down and being out for the rest of the season. That's a huge blow to that offensive attack that Memphis has. Now, they have Dylan Brooks. They have, obviously, Kyle Anderson, who um, at the four position can bring different things to that spot. But I don't think they have enough to really, truly hang on to that eighth spot. Let's go over to the Eastern Conference camera. Of course, the Milwaukee Bucks have locked up that number one seed. But me personally, I still don't trust him. It's due to their head coach, Mike Budenholzer. He's a good head coach. Well, we saw in the playoffs last year against Toronto. Uh, he failed to make any adjustments, and they lost in six games to the defend, now the defending champion Raptors. At, on, the, on our last podcast, I named two teams that could surprise some people in the Eastern Conference playoffs. Before I give you mine, uh, I want to ask you, who are your uh, couple of teams that people should be looking out for to perhaps challenge Milwaukee to get out of the East? Well, you said the team in your setup, Sid. It's the Toronto Raptors. They are the defending champions. And if you watch them one play, ones. Yep. They, they have to be number one on everybody's list. And I've seen Miami and what they've been able to do defensively, um, how they're able to match up with really anybody in the NBA with what they bring from a guard spot with Jimmy Butler. You have um, Duncan Robinson, who's an outside threat offensively, but then speaking defensively, Kendrick Nunn. You have a lot of pieces that they can throw at uh, different teams that can slow them down, like a team like Milwaukee. But again, getting back to my answer, Toronto has to be at the top of that list because of who they are. Yes, they lost Kawhi Leonard, but then you see the emergence of Pascal Siakam, and he's been phenomenal in that role of being, I guess, if you want to peg him as the guy for Toronto or the man, then you can do that. But I think Toronto brings everything in terms of production offensively by committee. It's not just Pascal Siakam. It's Kyle Lowry. It's Mark Gasol. It's Fred Van Vliet, who is really going to get a nice contract and the bag thrown at him when this season is done because he's proven that not only that he belongs in the league, and he proved that years ago since he came in undrafted out of Wichita State, mm -hmm. but he's also proven that he can be a starting point guard 
in the NBA. So those are three guys, let alone Serge Ibaka, that can bring to the court offensive abilities that keep teams at bay. And then defensively, they can bring toughness on that side of the ball as well. Norman Powell is another guy. OG Ananobi is a guy defensively that can match up with a lot of force. He brings a lot of physicality. He has the strength. He's knocking down that outside shot when you have penetration from Van Vliet or Kyle Lowry. So Toronto is number one for me. Then number two, early in the season, I was thinking Philly. It was between Philly, Milwaukee. Philly, Milwaukee. Who's going to come out of the East? But obviously with things slowing down and the stoppage and now Ben Simmons being out, my eyes have turned to the team I mentioned earlier, which was the Miami Heat and Jimmy Butler. That's a team defensively that's just going to bring it to you. And they're not afraid of anybody. And they really fit the identity of what the Miami Heat culture is, but also the identity of who and what Jimmy Butler is. And that's a guy that's going to make it tough for you defensively, that's very confident and doesn't care about what else, what anybody else is doing. They're going to play their game. So those are the two teams that off of my list outside of Milwaukee, are teams that you have to pay attention to coming out of the East. What about OKC? They had a big win against the Lakers a couple of days ago. Can they sort of serve some promise for the top seeds in the West? You know what? Anything is possible, Lakina. This is a situation where this bubble is not the typical NBA season, as we all know in the typical NBA playoffs, because it's a restart. So if you've played AU basketball or summer ball in high school as a kid, whether that's baseball or seven-on-seven flag football, it's different from when you're in regular season. So when I mean AAU basketball, a lot of these teams are just coming out and it's like, if you're hitting that day, you can beat anybody. And that's proven true for any sport that you play. But I think it's even more true for this bubble situation that these teams are in because guys are coming either in shape or out of shape, trying to redevelop that chemistry that they have. So a team like OKC, excuse me, led by Chris Paul, um, have opened a lot of eyes, especially with that win against the Lakers. And Chris Paul has been a guy that as much, you know, negativity that he's got in terms of, oh, he can't get over the hump of taking the team to the Western Conference Finals or the NBA Finals. He's a guy that if you look at every destination that he's been, right, remember he started his career in OKC, restarted that franchise, right, went over to Houston, had them playing great basketball. Now he's back in OKC and doing a great job there. And not to mention his time with the Clippers, and how they just really took the lead by storming who they were. So he's a guy that has obviously been there, done that in terms of making the playoffs. But again, with this whole setup, how they bring Shea Gilgis, Alexander, Darius Baisley, I've come on more. They have a, a, a stone mountain and Steven Adams in the paint on both ends of the floor. They can open some eyes and upset some teams as well. So that's a team OKC that you cannot sleep on because they're led by a great uh, just kind of floor general and Chris Paul. Cameron Smith of Team 100 Chicago Sports, Watch Day MSG, is joining us here on Sega City Sports. Uh, Cameron, let's go back to the Western Conference. I have this opinion for the Houston Rockets. They're like the old school Dallas Mavericks in the Indianapolis Colts when Peyton Manning was there. Those teams will always have great regular seasons, but never finishing off with a championship. Of course, those two franchises have a championship in their trophy case. The Houston Rockets, uh, for whatever reason, I think me personally is due to the head coach, Mike Tony. He's one reason. But uh, they always have great regular seasons, but they come up short in the, in the playoffs. Can you convince me that this year will be a different story? Or do you see the same script being played out? Listen, Sid, if I can convince you that Houston is going to make some noise in the playoffs and I need to get into a different business, maybe I need to get into the business of selling cars or something like that. So, um, or maybe even be, 
maybe even be a professional sports agent, but I can't see Houston with the style of play that they have. And we saw the other night when they matched up against the Lakers and now they went really, really small with their lineup and James Harden guarding Anthony Davis, right? So their whole thing is predicated, their whole offense, their whole, their whole system is predicated on outscoring their opponents. And that's who Mike D'Antoni has been his entire coaching career in the NBA. You saw it back in Phoenix. He tried to do it with the Knicks. It didn't work out there. And he's trying to do the same thing in Houston. And when I say it doesn't work out, I'm talking about in terms of getting to the ultimate goal of making the NBA finals and winning an NBA championship. Those are things that you have to look at with Mike D'Antoni and his coaching resume. Now, he's done some phenomenal things and winning some great ball games and taking teams that you really wouldn't think would have an impact in the NBA and bringing this type of offense where it's fun, it's exciting, it's up and down, they shoot a lot of threes, that's all good and well, but the NBA playoffs is about slowing things down and it's a process. It's, a, it's a more so of a, of a marathon. And in terms of us being in this bubble, everybody's saying that, oh, it's a sprint, it's a sprint, it's a sprint. Yeah, to a certain degree, but we know when the playoffs come, it's gonna be more physical. The defense is really gonna be predicated on slowing you down and taking away of option one, two, three, four, and five. So what do you do late shot clock when you try and get a shot? And yes, James Harden is one of the more creative offensive players that we've seen in the game's history. Russell Westbrook, you can't forget about him and what he's been able to do in averaging triple doubles. But how will they able to how will they be able to get other guys involved with their offense? You need to have a third, fourth, and sometimes fifth guy that can step up and get you buckets. And then on the defensive end, you have to get stops. So if they're playing this small ball type of attack, how do they slow down the likes of an Anthony Davis? How do they slow down the likes of a Montrez Harrell or a Ivica Subak who had uh, a double-double? I think he had 21 and 15 the other night for the Clippers and was 10 of 10 from the field. If you can't slow that down, then you're asking for a long seven-game series. And knowing that this league is very physical when the playoffs come, that wears on your team. So I don't think that they'll be able to sustain that, not even just for a round, but the full totality of the NBA playoffs. So yeah, that's great if you make it past round one, you make it past round two, you get to the conference finals, but you have to be able to sustain that physically and that mental toughness to really win that championship. I don't think that Houston is built like that. What about Boston? Jason Taylor's look really good for the Celtics. Can Boston sort of, you know, be sort of that speed bump with Toronto, with Toronto and Milwaukee? They could, they could. And that's another team that could be the, the 1B to Toronto's 1A, if you want to throw Boston in there. They have what a lot of coaches and a lot of teams want, and that's young, athletic, offensively talented, and just guys mentally that don't care who you are. They're going to go after you. And I'm talking about Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And people forget that Gordon Hayward, before the injury, was one of the better fours in the NBA. So you can't sleep on him as well. But who they are in terms of from that spot alone, the four position they can bring a lot of problems to opponents. So Boston is another team that could see themselves competing in the Eastern Conference Finals or the NBA Finals just with what they have on that standpoint. Then you got to throw in Kimball Walker, right? You throw in who they bring defensively and Tice and Simi Ojale. So they have these pieces that, again, you think about the NBA playoffs and how it's a seven-game series. Over the course of the seven-game series, over the course of the playoff run, how are you going to be able to really – keep up with these young horses and they have that. So Boston is a team to look out for, not only in the East, but in the NBA finals, if they can get there. 
I want to talk about Luka Doncic, Cam. Uh, he was a top three player for MVP before the pause to the season. He's looked good in sponsor ever since this restart. Uh, project, in your opinion, project uh, his career uh, his career for us. Me personally, I think he could be a top five player for the next decade uh, because of his, uh, his size and his shooting ability. He's, he's not very athletic, but he can get up and down the floor. He can score with the best of them. Do you see him as one of the top five or top ten players once for the next decade? Yeah, for the next decade, you have to put Luka Doncic in that in that conversation. Obviously, Giannis is going to get that. I even think Trey Young could be a top five player in the next decade. We're not talking about just right now. So you think ten years from now, it'll be what twenty thirty, right, or twenty thirty one? Luka Doncic mm-hmm. has to be in that conversation because again, he's young. He understands how to play the game, and he just knows how to get to his spots. And that comes from his experience playing overseas and playing in the highest league in Europe at a young age. So he's had these veterans around him to teach him the game and really how the pacing of how he, how his game fits, how that makes it difficult for opponents to guard him. And we saw that the other night when Dallas was playing the Clippers, right, when Paul George was switched on Luka Doncic. He had a couple of foul calls on him just because Luka was savvy enough to pick up those fouls on Paul George. Even with Kawhi Leonard, and Dallas did a great job with ball screens, making sure that initially – when Doncic had that matchup against Kawhi, there was a ball screen that happened either with Porzingis or another guard that got the switch, and you have a Landon Shamit or even a Jermichael Green guarding Doncic. And now Doncic can really get into his bag and showcase what he does, either that's a step back or getting a defender on his hip. And again, you talk about the strength, getting his strength, using his strength to get to the basket for and one or getting himself to the free throw line. So Luka Doncic brings everything that you want from the point guard position. He's going to continue to mature and grow but just he's his his emergence into into the nba is one that a lot of people didn't see i didn't see it and a lot of the experts didn't see it as well because that whole stigma of overseas players not being tough enough not being physical enough to translate or transition to the nba game in america that they didn't feel that that would happen but you got to remember that leagues and games over in europe are physical so that whole stigma is Mm -hmm. is faded a lot over the years. And Luke is just one of those kids that's special because he understands the game. It's his IQ that sets himself apart from a lot of other young guys in the NBA. You forget about Nowitzki too. When he first came, they, they were pretty much saying the same thing about him. And look, the rest is history there. So I think that Dallas team, I think will be a team to watch for in these next couple of years. Let's go back out east for a second, Cam, because everybody, there seems to be those last couple of spots, seems like nobody wants him. It seems like a hot potato between the Nets, the Magic, and the Wizards. Who, who do you think will be the two teams left standing, and can any of them do some damage? Well, that's tough because I got personal ties to the Washington Wizards because I have a family member that's on the coaching staff. But I just got to be real. I don't think the Wizards are going to make the playoffs. <laughs> They're without Bradley Bill, and they've struggled since, they, since they've been in the bubble. My mind and, and really what I've seen so far um, has to go with Orlando. I think that they have uh, some, some pieces that can get them into that eighth spot. But at the end of the day, you're asking them to match up against the Milwaukee, who is the number one overall seed when the playoffs start. They're going to be the guys that that eighth seed, whether it's the Wizards, the Magic, or the, the Nets are going to match up. But whoever gets that spot, it's going to be a sweep. That's just how good Milwaukee is. So um, hats off to them, whoever makes it. I think that Orlando will get it. But I just don't think that they have enough to match up with Milwaukee just from a guard standpoint. And then they lose Jonathan Isaac to that horrific knee injury uh, the other night. So um, you hope for that young man to have a speedy recovery. But Orlando is just in a situation where they won't be able to match up when they get to the playoffs in that eighth seed against Milwaukee. 
spending a few more moments with Cameron Smith of CN100 Sports. Watch Stadium and MSG right here on Second City Sports Zoom style, along with Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Brown. Cameron, let's bring it on home to Chicago. Let's talk about the Bulls. We'll try not to give you a headache, but we have to get your opinion on it. Uh, of course, for the Bulls, you have a new uh, head man for, for the Bulls, an AK. Uh, you have a new GM, Mark Eversley. Uh, my opinion is with each day that goes by, Jim Boyle is going to coach this team for next season. I'm not comfortable with that. I hope I'm wrong, but it seems to me that's the way this direct direction for the Bulls franchise is headed. What are your thoughts about Jim Ballard coming back to be head coach of the Bulls next year? Is it a good idea, or what are they waiting for? They should just get rid of him now. Sid, it's a beautiful day. The sun is shining. We were having a great basketball conversation. <laughs> and then you have to bring up the Bulls. So now we... Now I'm starting to see I'm starting to see a, a dark cloud come over the city of Chicago. It's getting very gloomy out. Birds stop chirping. It's getting very cold. So <laughs> this, this, oh my gosh, this this franchise and and it's tough to 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 really uh, face this reality if you're from Chicago and you've known uh, how great this franchise has been over the years and you really have to I'll say this to start this off they. They're trying to piece together and build this foundation the right way and bring in our tourist Kanisha Voss uh, as the president of basketball operations. And you heard uh, the front office say that they're giving him full autonomy of basketball decisions, which is great. Then you bring in Mark Eversley as GM, someone who has a lot of personal ties to a lot of players just from his time as uh, being a Nike employee and really working hand-in-hand with players. So that's what I mean in terms of what they're doing with their foundation. But then they're starting to become chips in that foundation when you have Jim Boylan, according to sources, who's going to remain the head coach for the Bulls because of Jerry Reinsdorf feeling that at this point, uh, since the pandemic has started and the NBA season has been suspended and the Bulls won't have the chance at a second bubble or the Chicago 8, as some people are calling it in the media, uh, for these teams that didn't earn their spot in the NBA playoffs or earn their spot in Orlando. They are in a, a spot now where they're cash-strapped, uh, and it's hard to believe that a franchise that is worth over $3 billion is cash-strapped. That's what you, you – you never want to hear that from, one, an owner and a franchise that is making that much money. And I, I, I guess I can get it, and I'm trying to relate, and Bulls fans don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. But when you think about what Jim Boylan has – uh, made and it hasn't been a lot. It's one of the smallest, lowest contracts in terms of dollar value compared to other NBA coaches uh, across the league that are making. So with him not making a top dollar or a lot of money in terms of the comparison of other NBA coaches, you're th- sitting there thinking to yourself like, hmm, what does he have on this front office or the Reinsdorf family that is allowing him to keep this position? So if you're AK, if you're Mark Eversley, and you're supposed to have full autonomy. And not to say that AK, Kanisha Voss came into the situation knowing that he's going to fire Jim Boylan right away. He said he was going to give things enough time to understand what's happening, talk to Boylan, talk to the coaching staff, see them in their office, see them at work, and see how their, their plans are going before he makes a full decision. But if you're hearing this from the front office and the Reinsdorf family, that it's pretty much – and this is according to sources, pretty much that Boylan is going to be the head coach for the 2020-2021 uh, season. 
it's, it's, it's difficult to hear. So right now, I think that the franchise is okay with being uh, bad, that they're bad, they're okay with being trash, that they're okay with being uh, mediocre. So that's just my impression right now on this bull situation with Jim Boyle. Well, I want to clear things up here. One more for me, Cam. Uh, the MLS, NBA, looks like they're doing a, they've been doing a good job doing the sports on the bubble. The NHL looks like, you know, they're doing well so far, too, in their bubble cities. How, how, what, would you, what grade would you give, you know, the sports that have been able to do well in the bubble so far? And do you think, like, the fall sports coming up, like football, college, and pro, do you think they can, they'll be able to sustain the season during all this? Yeah, so we got to start at the top in terms of these professional sports leagues that are doing well in their uh, self-created bubbles. So at the top, it has to be the NBA. If you look at all the reports that have come out, about over 300, close to 350 players have been tested um, for the coronavirus, and zero tests have come back of, of any players that have tested positive for the virus. So that's why I start with the NBA, number one. So if I'm giving a letter grade, the NBA gives gets an A+. plus, right? Then right after them, I'm going to give it to the NHL because I haven't seen any um, – uh, the number of tests uh, in comparison to the uh, MLB of players that have tested positive for the coronavirus. So the NHL is right underneath them. And then I'm going to go with the MLB. Uh, for a league that is just, you know, they're just going to power through. It's full steam ahead for them. They don't care what's going on with certain players that are tested positive. They're going to quarantine those teams and have them make up those games. But at the same time, they would have been better off of trying to create a bubble uh, for these teams to go down and play. And that's, you know, easier said than done. Obviously, there's a lot of logistics that go into that. And we've seen some of the stories of how the NBA created their bubble. And it's, it's, it's months of planning and really trying to get uh, the Players Association on board, the NHL, or excuse me, the MLBPA uh, on board of getting these players uh, down in that, that bubble, whether that's Arizona. I think that would have been a great spot to have them in. Um, but they've just really struggled of trying to uh, contain or control players getting that virus. But you mentioned the um, NWSL, uh, the National Women's Soccer League. They are right up there at the top, I think, past the, the NHL and the MLB in terms of what they've been able to do uh, with their bubble and making sure that things go out, go on without a hitch. And you got to salute the WNBA as well. They're up at the top as well with the NBA, making sure that they're controlling things and that the bubble that they created is uh, protecting players and protecting staff and everybody within it uh, from the virus. So those are the leagues. Uh, the NBA, the NWSL, the WNBA, they are right at the top of making sure that things go on without a hitch. So salute to them. Last one for me, Cam. Of course, all four of the professional sports leagues are uh, coming uh, together and making statements that are saying that they want to change. They're creating task force. Of course, we all know that in the NBA, they have Black Lives Matter uh, right, right, right at center court, and they've been creating programs and PSAs before airing their games as well. Following the death of, of George Floyd, following you on social media, I just want to congratulate you, Jason Goff of NBC Sports Chicago, Brooke Rice, Broad of ESPN. Hopefully I said her name correctly. But following you on social media, you guys, along with numerous others that they don't get the credit that they deserve. But I just want to congratulate you guys on uh, not putting blame on anybody else, not calling anybody else, just getting up and taking action and doing the work and, and cleaning up uh, these, helping out these communities get back to uh, where they once were. I know you've always been involved and with kids in the community before the, this tragedy. Talk to us how, how that uh, process came together with other sports personnel from around the city to help get these neighbors, in particular the South and West Side, back together. 
Yeah, I think, um, and I appreciate the the recognition and congrats. Um, it's more so just about just kind of getting out and doing the work. So with myself and Jason, um, and a lot of people around uh, the sports media family that we have in the city of Chicago, Layla Rahimi, uh, Brooke Weisbrod, uh, these are all people that are aligned with our thinking. Right? There's there's only so much you know scrolling and looking and retweeting with comments about oh this is horrific or you know whatever it is. Um, you have to get out and try and make a difference. And so for me, being from Chicago, from the west side of Chicago more specifically, and seeing my community that I grew up in just, you know, suffer so much damage, um, I felt it upon myself to try and do whatever I could to help. And one of the best ways for me and my position was to not only retweet or say my piece about how I felt in terms of what was happening to our people, black people, um, and how we've been disenfranchised, um, how we've been facing racial injustice and police brutality since we've been in this country. But it was more so of me trying to uh, get out physically and help clean up and beautify um, the communities that we're from. So uh, tapping in with Jason and Brooke and Annie Costable, uh, Layla Rahimi, a lot of people have reached out to us and we've reached out to each other to really band together and help out our situation. So these are all people that, again, we see them in the business, whether it's at games, post game, interacting you start to develop a relationship uh, with everyone but then you start to get to know that person deeper when they uh, take time to come out and help you within your efforts so these are all things that we can do as a city um, it doesn't matter if you're a sports reporter or a sports broadcaster like us um, you can be you know an everyday person like we all are and get out and just tap in with us and, and help so that was more so of the thinking that we had of just trying to help and that's what we all need uh, is self-accountability and making sure that we can do anything in our parts to, to help out. So that was just one way. Um, there are so many different other ways that people can go out and help, whether that's uh, protesting uh, peacefully or getting the word out via social media. Um, I know everybody's situation is different. So the biggest thing is making sure that you're making an impact the best way that you can. So I want people to understand that. Try and make a positive impact the best way the best way that you can. And that was one of the ways that we were able to make a positive impact is going out and just cleaning up the debris uh, from the riots that happened on the west side and also on the south side of Chicago. That's great job. Uh, all right. Bell's Cameron Smith of CN100 Sports. Watch Stadium and MSG. You can follow him on social media at Cameron Smith, correct? Yep, at Cameron Smith, no, and Cameron. I appreciate the time. Thank you. Thanks, Cameron. All right, and happy belated birthday. Yeah, happy belated birthday to you, and happy anniversary to you and your lovely wife, and hopefully your son is doing well. Thank you, Sid. We appreciate that love, and yes, he's doing well. He's driving us crazy, but he's doing well. <laughs> oh, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> All right, thanks. Yeah, thanks for the time again. We'll do this again soon, okay? All right, talk to you soon. Thanks. All right. All right. And that, was, and that was Cameron Smith once again of Watch Stadium and MSG and C100 here in Chicago joining us here on Second City Sports Zoom style. But Kayla, I want to take you back off of uh, one of the teams that you were talking about going back to the Eastern Conference and the Toronto Raptors. I, I think we, we talked about this with Matt Peck of NBC Sports Chicago uh, last week. I, they're going to be a tough out for whoever they play, but it wouldn't surprise me if they did make it back to the finals. As I said before, I like Milwaukee. I like Giannis personally, but it's just something that I don't trust about them. And part of it is the head coach, Mike Budenholzer. I know he's a disciple of Greg Popovich, but I, I, until they prove it to me, they can actually make it to the big show. I have my doubts about them. I know their team 
around Giannis, at least their bench looks a little bit better than a year ago. I know they added Kyle Forbert. Chris Middleton, he's a nice player, a two-time all-star, but Milwaukee really does not have that second guy. I, I, I tried to get Cam in, in a very clever way to uh, <laughs> not – well, about Houston. I'm sorry right. to get mixed up there, but uh, same with Milwaukee. I, 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 I just don't see it. Even if they do make it to the finals, I don't see them being the Lakers. I'm sure as heck don't see them being the Clippers. Yeah, I, yeah. to me, I think it's – for the East, I think it'll, it's Toronto unless someone beats them. That's always been my, my mindset of it. I always kind of feel mm-hmm. that Toronto doesn't get the respect they deserve, even though they're the defending champion. So I, mm-hmm. I think for me, it's ter- the Eastern Conference, Toronto, until someone beats them. I, d- I just don't trust Milwaukee. You saw, listen, you saw what you heard about what happened yesterday against what they game against Miami. They had to come back in the third quarter to you know come back and win that game. So mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I, to me, I think it's for the Eastern, it's Toronto until someone says otherwise, let's, let, until someone beats them. That's all I've been in my mindset. Yeah, and Cam named, named my two teams eventually, as I said last week, who could challenge Milwaukee. That was Toronto and Boston. I like Boston. You know, Kim Milwaukee's back now. I know he was hurt at the time of the pause, but he has a dynamic score in him. You, you don't have to deal with that Kyrie Irving mess anymore. Mm-hmm. You can tell that team has been playing better. Uh, I like Enos Kenter in the role as a rebounder, as a defender, like you mentioned uh, during the interview. Uh, Jason Tatum, who finally became an all-star this year. Jalen Brown has really made a leap uh, after having a disappointing um, season a, a couple, uh, last year. So I, I do like Boston. I think they'll be a tough out as well. But I like Toronto a little bit better if you want, if you really had a gun to my head. No pun intended. To, to compare the teams between Toronto and Boston. I kind of like Toronto only because they had the experience of winning the championship a year ago. No, they do not have Kawhi Leonard, but they have that experience. And they're going to be a tough out for some for someone. I, I agree with Cam Smith. Fred, Fred Lee, he's having a better year than he did a year ago. You saw he had his moments in the playoffs last year, especially in the finals, but he's having a better year this year because he's getting more playing time. Yeah, I yeah, I think, look, I this should be interesting, though, for the Eastern Conference because I think, yeah, they Toronto like, like I said, Toronto's a vintage champion until someone knocks them out. And look, could Boston be that team? Yeah. Could Milwaukee be that team? Yeah, I don't the Pacers, they've been kind of up and down since this restart. So I don't know about them. Philly, you know, I'm still we're still we're all still trying to figure Philly out. So, you know, I don't know. We'll, we'll see about that. Yeah, I had them going to the finals this year, but now that's out. So <laughs> yeah, I was they may have to change. Ben Simmons the latest injury, so <laughs> yeah, I think Brad, Brad Brown, that head coach, is going to get a pink slip in the link card. I'm just oh, saying. I oh, I I think yeah, I think he will will be. And I'm not worried about uh, Brooklyn or Orlando or whoever ends up getting those last two spots. I'm not worried about either mm-hmm. one of them. So the Wizards, I mean, we can forget about them too. They've lost four in a, they've lost four in a row since this restart, so I don't, I'm not worried about them either. So, like I said, it's Toronto and whoever whoever can knock them out. Now, it's for the West. Now, what you I want to ask them? you. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Lakeena. Go ahead. No, no. So, no, so, I want to ask you before you go. <laughs> See, this is like signal, folks. Go ahead, Sid. Yeah. Uh, I want to ask you before you break down the Western Conference. Uh, uh, do you miss the crowd aspect of, of- – uh, some of these games watching the NBA, uh, we all know that there's no fans in the stands, obviously, because of the pandemic. But do you really miss that uh, aspect of the crowd? It, uh, in some ways, I do. But it, but I will say this, I'll give more credit to TNT 
they're, they're trying to normalize it as, as possible, but there's only so much they can do. You can tell watching the games on ESPN, they're really pumped up with that crowd noise. I was yeah. watching the game the other night. I forgot who was playing, but I could, I was watching the, um, the, the Milwaukee-Houston game from last Sunday, and you can definitely hear the crowd noise that the, the people in the truck are um, playing. And I can barely hear Mike Green and Mark Jackson talk to like, hmm, They're really trying to make this normal as possible. Uh, you hear that thing go too long? It's not going to work. I don't know if anybody else noticed that, but I know I did. Yeah, you can kind of tell like the, the pumping of the crowd noise. I think that's a little bit weird. The virtual fans, I, like I said, I mean, it's not, I don't think it's too weird. I mean, you're seeing like little random celebrity appearances. You know, Shaq was in one during one of the TNT mm-hmm. games. And you saw like the kids of some of the players. Yeah. I mean, Jason, you know, Jason Tatum's a little boy, you know, seeing him watch, try to watch him. Yeah. You know, some of those late games. Also, Chris Paul's kid who's gotten so big. I mean, he's like seven or eight now. So, yeah. I mean, some aspect of it is a little bit weird, but you know, some of it's kind of cute. So it, it's, it, I'm sort of like, you know, okay, whatever, <laughs> whatever. I mean, look, this is sort of the, we're gonna have to get used to this for a while. So if we have to look at virtual mm-hmm. people and random folks, I mean, it's fine. You know, pumping and crowd noise. I saw the um, Ash going to baseball for a second. Go, I saw the Astros, Diamondbacks. You can kind of Diamondbacks came back with a walk off. You can hear like the you know, the crowd noise. It was on uh, mm-hmm. FS FS one, so you can kind of tell the crowd noise. So it's like okay, but then the NHL actually they don't have any like pump in noise. You can, you can hear the skating, you can hear you know other stuff. You can hear coaches mm-hmm. yelling. You, you also hear some swear words. You know, look get that past the centers, but it's fine. I mean, <laughs> it's still look. It, it's look. I mean, the the aesthetics of it is a little bit weird, but I, it, it's okay. I mean, look, this is something we're gonna have to get used to for a while, so. It's fine. <laughs> All right, going into the Western Conference for a second. I mean, the Lakers, they've lost a couple of the world, but they really, they, they punched number one seed. I think the last time they did, I think it was like in 20, was it 2010 or 2012? That was like the last time that they won the championship with Kobe and Gasol in them. So Yeah, that was 2010. Yeah. 2010, yeah. So that was the last time they were the number one seed. So it's been a while. I think they're, I think LeBron's just resting to get himself ready for the playoffs. Don't be surprised if AD, you know, ends up resting too. The Clippers, they, you know, they won last night, so they got a big win there. Denver, we get a chance to talk to the camera about Denver. What do you think about Denver? I like that team, but uh, they had their run a year ago, which they could have made it to the Western Conference Finals. Of course, the Portland Trail Blazers were in their way and defeated them in seven games. I do give them a better shot this year. Just hope that Jamal Murray, who's been struggling this year. Hope he can pick it back up. Of course, in the playoffs last year, in that first round against San Antonio, he picked it up and carried it through uh, to beat the Spurs in six games. Uh, uh, this year, he needs to pick it up and then some. Um, uh, Nikolai Jokic, aka the Joker. I know he's lost some weight. Harvey was due to he had COVID nineteen, but he looks good so far. I know Portland defeated him the other night, but. I, I, I like their chances, but it's going to be much tougher this year, only because now you have the Clippers with two superstars. The Lakers are back with a couple of superstars. So uh, we had Romy Bean on our uh, podcast last week, and she said uh, uh, they had, do have a nice team, but uh, can you really give them an honest chance against the Clippers or the Lakers right now? No. Yeah, I, I agree. I hate I think, to say it, but I got to tell the truth, no. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, look, they think. Unless a major injury happens, I don't give them a, a chance. Yeah, I'm not I think they won't compete or win a couple of games, but to win a series for either one of those teams, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think, yeah. I think they did. They will get to the second round, but I just don't see them, you know, look, 
you know, beating the Lakers mm-hmm. or the Clippers. I just don't see it happening. I just don't. Portland, like, like we've been saying, Portland's going to be a, a tough out should they get in. I think they will mm-hmm. because the Grizzlies, you know, Jackson being out, I think that's a, that's a big problem. And they've lost every game mm-hmm. since this restart. So I think Portland will end up getting that, that eighth spot. And that should be a fun one there between the Lakers and the Blazers. Also, too, uh, the one team that's really disappointed me in the bubble, and I know they had a major injury in Bogdan Bajanovic, is the Utah Jazz. They have not looked good in this bubble. Uh, if they have to play Houston or I forgot who's ahead of uh, who else is ahead of them. I think Denver's ahead of them, too. Yeah, they Denver. Play, Denver they would, they'd be uh, playing Denver right now. Denver. I do not like their chances. I don't. Uh, <laughs> if I had to make a prediction right now, Denver should beat them in five, but it'll probably go six. Yeah. OKC's looked good, too. It's like, look, we were talking about OKC's last few weeks, mm-hmm. and I mean, we all thought at the beginning of the season, we all thought that, you know, they'll probably just, you know, play, you know, just for, you know, to get the, you know, their legs going and everybody will get traded. CP3 will get traded to a contender. But now turns out that they're now a contender. So don't be surprised if right now, mm-hmm. De- I should say, they would be playing Denver. If should, There's like a half game between them and the Jazz, so they, they might move up. But it should whoever it is, I think it's it's gonna be a, they're gonna be a tough out. I think. Yeah, if you, yeah. If you're Denver, you do definitely do not want to play OKC. You don't, because okay. OKC has people inside. You still have Stephen Adams, Delanero Gallinari. Remember him from back in the day with the Knicks. Yeah. Uh, he's turned out to be a better score because of the addition of Chris Paul, as you mentioned. Of course, uh, Cameron Smith mentioned in our interview of. Uh, of um, Gilded Alexander. He's really had a good year, so he can bring some points uh, from that two-guard spot. So Oklahoma City, they're, they're the small, they're the Western Conference version of Toronto minus the championship, of course, but Oklahoma City will be a tough out for someone in the West. If you're if you're Utah, Denver, or Houston, you definitely do not want to play OKC in that first round. Oh, yeah, that's it. Don't be surprised if they pull up the upset, should they? Whoever they end up end up going to Dallas, I think if Dallas ends up playing the Clippers, which it looks like that'll probably be the case, they'll push it. They'll push it maybe five, maybe six. But listen, I love Porzingis, I love Luca, but I just don't think they have the depth right now to compete yet. So I, I think Dallas Dallas will win a win a game, maybe two, but that's it. I couldn't agree with you more. Of course, don't forget about that uh, injury to Sean Powell uh, earlier yeah. in the year before his ACL. That really set them back because they, uh, Dallas was having oh, yeah. a, a great year when he, he was in the lineup. Of course, now Don Titch, uh, he has Porzingis, who's been up and down this year due to various injuries that he's had. Of course, you have those two, but outside of that, who's your third score? And, and, and that's the problem that Dallas is going to have a come playoff time. And that's probably the main reason why they was in the Clips. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, we'll, we'll see. We'll see with them. Uh, I think anything else NBA wise before we want do you want to talk about the Bulls, Sid? Because I'm like I'm, I want to bang my head against this laptop. I swear. Like I don't know if like Joel Kelly, he kind of likes to sort of like ruffle feathers of Bulls fans because he knows how emotional they can be. But anything else NBA wise you want to talk about? Uh, I'll say this. I did catch some of that piece from um, the Sun-Times the other day from Joe Cowley. As we discussed on the show last week with our buddy Matt Peck from Bulls Outsiders at NBC Sports Chicago, uh, don't be surprised if, they, if the Bulls keep Jim Boylan. 
I think they'll, this management is going to use this 2020-2021 season as a gap year to really see for themselves who's going to be on this team for the future, who are they going to ship out, and what value can you get in return? In return, of course, there's been rumors falling out there for the last week or so. We didn't talk about this last week, but Zach Levine is supposedly on the trading block. Uh, he doesn't want to be here. Of course, we heard rumblings, small rumblings uh, in the middle of the season before this off that uh, uh, Lori Market and uh, uh, doesn't want to be here. So uh, you really have some tough decisions to make with all rebuilds. Whoever comes out good, uh, the decision, the tough decisions are who remains on the team for the future. I mean, who can you move out and will you get fair value for them? So that's what the Bulls are facing, facing right now. Yeah, I, I mean, they're about what? Their net worth is like $3.5 and you're crying poor. I mean, oh, yeah. okay, fine, whatever. You can't pay like somebody 1.4 or whatever the number is to, to sit. Get the heck out of here. Like, look, mm-hmm. if, <laughs> I mean, look, I mean, if, look, Matt and the rest, and the guys over at Bulls outside in the Lockdown Bulls podcast, I've been trying to like, my mind's been like, okay, I've been trying to keep myself sane. And they said, look, right. it, it would be so, look, it would be so bulls for them to not, you know, you know, get rid of the guy that they shouldn't be getting rid of. I don't know if this is sort of like a poker game that Eversley and, and AK are playing, but it, it, it look, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I mean, it's, I, I, I just, Maybe maybe the guy they want, they're still he's still in the boat right now, so we don't know. So we'll see. Unless we get a, like a we get like a press release saying that look, Boylan's coming back. I think it's fifty fifty at this point. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. It's a fifty fifty shot. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they do it, but like you say, Latino, we all know the Bulls. Uh, they're just like the Chicago Bears. The 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 common sense moves they should make, they won't do it. But the obvious moves that they uh, most conservative, most of they, uh, they mostly, most of the time, consider they usually do it. Yeah, exactly. Playing it safe. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll see. I mean, we'll see. If this could be look, this could be I mean, the big poker game. So who knows? We'll see. So what do you want to do next, Sid? Do you want to like take a break? Yeah, let's take this twenty second timeout. Let's come back. We got a lot of things to talk about in the next segment: baseball, football, and we got to do that hockey. Yes. Oh, yeah. Hawks, Hawks could win tonight. Mm-hmm. Could, could advance tonight with a win. So we'll see what happens. Woo-hoo! All right. We'll be talking some hockey, too. So a lot to do. So second season sports Zoom saw. We'll be right back right after this. All right, folks. Welcome back to hour two of second season sports Zoom style. Zoom style. All right. Oh, there we go, Sid. Uh, <laughs> You, you follow, I'm Lakina McGee. You can follow me at Keena McGee on Twitter and at Keena underscore me on the Instagram. You can follow me, SidKid80, at Twitter and Instagram at SidKid80. Once again, at SidKid80, S-I-D-K-I-D-80. Once again, that's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. All right, so we got some breaking news from St. Louis. The Cubs, you know, look, are up to a hot start. Lost yesterday against the Royals, but listen, even in a sixty-game season, those kind of games are gonna, those kinds of games are gonna happen. So we won't, you know, you know, be go too much about that. But some of the breaking news coming out of St. Louis is that another player for the Cardinals has has a positive, and um, I read the statement here. They said that tonight's game has been postponed to allow digital testing and to complete the contract tracing, contact tracing process. 
They'll continue to provide updates as they're available. So, Sid, once again, I mean, we thought that maybe this was getting under control. I mean, the Marlins have been able to kind of get out of, you know, what they, that whole thing with their outbreak. So, but then you got this, you know, now St. Louis is not the precipice of this. So, what do you think is going on here? Uh, like you said, St. Louis just got back from their outbreak of a week ago. Like you said, the Miami Marlins are back on track. Excuse me, but hopefully not uh, another player has been uh, affected by uh, by this for the St. Louis Cardinals organization. Hopefully nobody from the Cubs is, uh, is being affected either because they're down there uh, as of now. Um, baseball, like these other sports, they just got their power through it, but I think St. Louis is taking the right precaution. Uh, there are in not playing in tonight's game. Of course, if you're the Cubs, you don't want to step a foot in that in that stadium or in that clubhouse so everything is being taken care of. We said this a couple of weeks ago when um, the Marlins played the Philadelphia Phillies uh, during the opening weekend series on the road. Of course, that's when uh, their outbreak happened. And so we said that at the time because the Yankees were the next team to play Philadelphia in Philadelphia, of course, that didn't happen because the Yankees said, we're not stepping foot into that stadium until everything is cleaned down, washed, scrubbed down, and what have you. So I think this is, obviously, this is a smart move to do because if you were to play that game um, tonight, uh, who knows who could have could have been affected from both, both squads. But this is the same thing you have to do right here. So soon they, they get to play Saturday or Sunday's game, which will be a seven-inning doubleheader. Uh, this is a, a smart thing to do. This is the only way to go because uh, – uh, as you well know, Lakina, and a lot of our listeners and viewers out there, um, baseball cannot afford to have a major outbreak. We saw it once with, with Miami. Of course, it was due to their own bad choices. So, uh, baseball cannot afford to screw up again. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my for said, I'll turn this car around. I'll, I'll, I'll you know, stop the season. So, we'll see what happens there. But, uh, you know, mm-hmm. The fact that the Cardinals are kind of getting ahead of this. I mean, Yarno Molina and a couple other players, they announced they tested, they tested positive but are, are getting better. So we'll see what, what happens there. And we'll see if you know, the Cardinals can be, will be able to contain this because I think this might be the – this there might be more. Who knows? But uh, I'm, like, I'm glad that the Cardinals – say what you want about them as an organization, but I'm glad they're kind of getting ahead of this. They look, you know what, don't come to the ballpark. Mm-hmm. You know, stay where you guys are, stay in your hotel, wherever you guys are staying at, and just let let us, you know, see what's going on here. So I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I'll, I'll commend them for that. Yes, it's better to be responsible than irresponsible. Yeah, exactly. So better safe than sorry, absolutely. So the Cubs have the best record in the NL. So what tie with the Twins. So like I, like I said, they had a bad outing last, you know, Tyler Chadwood kind of went back to me in the old Tyler Chadwood, you know, they didn't have the best outing <laughs> last last night. But you know what, like I said, I mean, look, it's, and even in a 60-game season, you're going to have these kind of games where nothing will go right, nothing will, you know, you can't hit, you know, your pitching's all off. So I, I, I w- I'm not would worry if you're a Cubs fan because, look, you're 10-3. and three. You didn't think you could be this good this early in this weird uh, shortened season. So I, I wouldn't worry too much. You know who wins that Tyler Chadwick uh, meltdown in Kansas City? <laughs> yes, please. You know but... where I'm going with this. Oh, yes. <laughs> you know, 
those virtual fans that Fox decided to put in his fans to let us viewers watch on television. <laughs> oh <laughs> those my God. Those got an enjoyment out of that. <laughs> oh yeah, those are probably the only ones that did. <laughs> but yeah, as I mean, we said before this, as we said before in this program, uh, if they're smart, if when when if if, if football should start on time, which me personally, I think it will start on time, obviously, because right. there's no preseason. If there if there are no fans in the stands for week one, watch for Fox to do that for football as well. Oh yeah, be smart to do that. I'm just saying. Oh yeah, look, I mean, look, they, look at their second game that double header. I mean, uh, the the Astros and the Diamondbacks. I mean, they they you could hear that those pumped in crowd noise when the Diamondbacks hit that walk off. So. Basically, so mm-hmm. walk off. So yeah, so you're gonna be hearing that. And I guess, like we said, I mean, Joe Buck kind of spilled the tea a few months back. So when all this started and all this was sort of this talk was going around. So now we're seeing it and we're hearing it. So <laughs> we'll see. I mean, okay, as a whole national league, who's impressed you most so far? Uh, obviously, the Chicago Cubs, as you mentioned, like, you know, I, I didn't expect them to get off to this type of start, uh, barring last night's results. Uh, are there a perfect team? No, no one is, including the LA Dodgers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, excuse my business calling you there. But um, <laughs> uh, you can take a look at this Cubs team. Of course, they've been without Chris Bryant for the past few games. Uh, their bullpen has been terrible, but they got by using their starting pitching and their timely offense, i.e., Javi Baez, i.e., uh, Anthony Rizzo. And Jason Hayward's been coming up big too with a couple of key games here and there. So, it looks like the Cubs have an all-around balancing, but hopefully for them, everything can come and sing it. If and when, then they can get their bullpen together. I know they just signed Calvin Herrera, the former White Sox to minor league contract. <laughs> I don't know what you're going to get out of him, but do you think he's going to be your savior? Good luck. <laughs> yeah, I thought of you when I saw I'm him. I'm just saying. Yeah, I, mean, I saw him when I thought of you. I'm like, uh-oh, uh-oh, Mr. Calvin Herrera. Yeah, he wasn't very good when he was with the White Sox. <laughs> look, look, I mean, you just need a guy that's going to eat up innings, so he might be the guy. Well, you're not expecting him to be sort of the savior, but you know, a guy that can eat up innings and don't give up runs, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, as long as they do that, I think they'll take it. Low risk, high reward, potentially. So that's – that's fine there. Uh, for yeah. me, I mean, the Marlins, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a pretty good Marlins team. Now, again, we'll see if they can keep up with it. They got to they gotta make up a lot of games. So I don't know if they'll mm-hmm. be able to hang in there. I mean, considering, like, the other teams in the East that they have to play against. So, I mean, right now they look good. And they've been able to kind of bounce back for being sort of the fun of jokes, <laughs> you know, for the last couple of weeks. <laughs> but we'll, we'll see, I guess, especially once they got to make up these games, them and the Phillies both. They've had their struggles to the Phillies, but we'll see where they do. Mm-hmm. Atlanta, I mean, look, they've been kind of up and down um, in the Central. You know, the yeah, Cubs they can are, beat up on those Mets. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's where I'm about the one. I, what about <laughs> the Mets? I mean, they, I, you know, like like we talked about last week, Sid. I mean, the U.S. Spanish said, hey, you know what? Forget it. I'm leaving. Goodbye. It's <laughs> just like, <laughs> tell anybody. But, I mean, they're, I think the Mets are out. Um, Pete Alonso hasn't had a very good start this year. Um, and in the West, I mean, the Colorado's been probably the most surprising team, I would think. I, I would think so far. Yeah, they've been up on those Giants. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's probably like, that's sort of like one of those days of playing people in teams in your division or people in your other side in that league's mm-hmm. division because you can kind of like, you know, eat up some wins, if you will. So I think that's probably what's been helping the Rockies a little bit. We'll see once they face the Dodgers. But uh, again, you know, you take some of these starts at face value, but what do you think? 
Uh, I, I, my next team I was going to bring up was the Atlanta Braves, but they've been up on the mess of them this past week. I know they beat Toronto a couple of times in there as well. Uh, Colorado has been a bigger surprise because they've been up on, on the San Francisco Giants. Right. And like you said, they're um, uh, facing better competition. Uh, we'll see what they what they can do against the Dodgers. I know there's been uh, uh, the team in their in their backside, you know, playing the center for the last couple of seasons. So we'll see what happens there the next time they play. Uh, Arizona, um, they've been a big disappointment thus far. Of course, you mentioned Thursday night, couple behind win over the Houston Astros. Will that turn that season around? Uh, we'll see. But Madison Bumgarner, I don't know about you, Lakina. Uh, he, his last start was not good. Uh, he's been a big disappointment. Yeah. So yeah, we'll 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 see. I mean, we'll see if some of these teams can turn around. Um, going into the American League, uh, Sid. I mean, what's happened to your White Sox? They won. They won five in a row, but now they've last lost their last couple, and the injuries are starting to mount up. Mount up for them. Yeah, this is one of those bumps in, in the long season, but this is a short 60-game season, so these have to be monitored very carefully. Uh, these last two games against Milwaukee, of course, great pitching beats great hitting. It was a nice six-game one three quite a Of course, I didn't expect it to go undefeated for, for the rest of the year. But uh, Nick mm-hmm. Madrigal, their second baseman, he's going to be out uh, for a while. He's on a 10-day uh, injured list with a bad uh, separated shoulder. Thank goodness his left shoulder, not his right shoulder, his throwing shoulder. So, and I know I have again, uh, the White Sox analyst for NBC Sports Chicago, he criticized the magic of sliding in like that the other day and when he ended the show at Milwaukee. So, Tim Anderson has been on the injury list. I know he's supposed to come off soon. I forgot which day, but he's supposed to come off soon. And I know this controversy should be put him back in the leadoff spot or we have Luis Roberts there. Uh, does manager Ricky Renteria, does he really make the lineup card or does upper manager make out the card? Uh, <laughs> well, we'll see on that front, but uh, I, I just view it as a minor bump in the world for the White Sox this weekend. They had three big games against the Cleveland Indians, as we said before, before the season started. So, uh, should the White Sox, uh, uh, if they have any aspirations of making the playoffs, even with the expanded playoff field this year, you have to beat the teams in your division. Of course, Minnesota's up there, but you have to beat Cleveland because Cleveland will be the team in your in your own way to secure well, uh, something that you finish behind Minnesota. Cleveland can be that team that can keep you out if you don't take care of your own business. So this is a big series this weekend for the White Sox. I'm expecting no less than two out of three for the Indians. I don't think it should be too much to ask. I know you beat them last week in the last game of that series, but you looked terrible for the first three games that you Get out of there uh, uh, last week with a uh, with the win in that four game series. If I'm not mistaken, so this is a big three game series on your home turf this weekend. Yeah, hopefully the the Sox can bounce back because if not, they might be able to fall off that playoff sort of wild card chase pretty quick, and they can't afford to, especially with this being such a short season. So hopefully, you know, the Sox can get it together. I really like. Yeah, real quick. Yeah, real quick. I really like Dallas Keuchel. I know he didn't deserve the fate that he had on Wednesday losing that one nothing game, but yeah. I've really been impressed by him. And uh, as we say, coming to the season, the White Sox need that veteran presence for that young pitching staff. He's really been carrying them right now, followed by Lucas uh, Giolito. And Dillis, he's really picked it back up in his last start uh, last Sunday. I can't see it. I know he's going to pitch this weekend against the Indians. I want to see him if he can build some consistency off his, off his last start. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, they can't. We'll, we'll, like I said, we'll see. I mean, we'll, if they can kind of get back on track. I mean, I hope they do. I hope for your sake and for White Sox fans, like, I hope they do, they can, and they will get back on track. Um, Minnesota, I mean, I think they just had another home run. I know that they lost last night, unfortunately, but they're still, <laughs> but, you know, look, they, they're still hitting it out of the park, and they got a plus 29 run differential. They only, that's like an only to the Dodgers. I mean, I, what more can you say about Minnesota right now? I guess I guess they didn't like the fact that people were saying that even in the normal season that they were going to take a step back. So what impressed you so far about Minnesota? As you mentioned, their offense, uh, Nelson Cruz. <laughs> what can you <laughs> say? Old guys still getting it done. Uh, yep. Of course, you have Miguel Sanu and some of the other sluggers as well, Josh Donaldson. They picked up on the Atlanta Braves in the offseason. And so – they have some boppers in Atlanta, but as you know, as well as I do, Lakina, especially come playoff time, it's about starting pitching and it's about great bullpen. And during the, for the his, short history for the last 10, 15 years for the Minnesota Twins, they have neither. Uh, neither has shown up uh, in, in playoff time. Of course, going back to last year's playoffs against the Yankees, yes, the Yankees had their issues, but they had enough just to beat Minnesota as far as pitching-wise. Uh, Minnesota, I don't want to give them this tag, but I have to. You're a great regular season team. Can you put it all together come playoff time? Especially with this, you need playoff setup. So we'll see if they yeah. can keep it up. Um, Cleveland, they've been kind of up and down, but they've won three in a row. So what do you think about Cleveland? Uh, it's a big series here in Chicago against the White Sox. So uh, oh, they yeah. beat the White Sox, as I mentioned, last uh, last week. So Let's say they can go on the roll and, and do that again. And uh, I, their roster is, is pretty stacked, but we'll, we'll see if they can get over the hump. In the, yeah. it's a, like I said, there's no divisional uh, matchup on the road this week in Chicago. Definitely got to take two out of three if you're, a, if you're a White Sox fan in that weekend series. Um, going out yeah. west, Oakland, they've won six in a row. They're pitching and also they're – listen, they're pitching. They've also had some hitting, but their pitching has actually been the thing that sort of kind of like have gotten them hot. Yeah, that's a, any six, uh, key to successful good baseball team is starting to pitch you, right? Uh, yep. Like you said, they've been doing it so far. And it, and it helps that you're beating up on the Angels and Mariners. My right. goodness. Especially the yeah. Angels have really been a big disappointment. But with that being said, as we've talked about it before, Oakland is one of those teams that sneak up on people every year. They kind of start off medium, get a little hot. And then when everybody else starts to drop off, here they come, right, climb back up the ladder again. Can they be a serious contender to Houston? I hope so, but I, I'm not sure. I still got to see them uh, for a couple more weeks. And I don't want to see them play against Houston, which I know is going to be soon. But yeah. I want to see them play against Houston. If they can beat them head-to-head, then I can take them more seriously. Yeah, yeah, I agree. If they can beat Houston a couple of games and – you know, you can kind of say, okay, maybe they're legitimate to I feel that way about the Marlins, too, unless they – they have beaten Atlanta, but I, I think, you know, Atlanta was sort of like didn't know what to expect. So, now, next time they play them, now that they know what to expect, I think – I don't think the Marlins are going to be keep – they're not going to keep it up, and I don't think the A's will either. But that's just <laughs> – that's just my opinion. Um, the Yankees, I, don't, I know they lost last night, but, look, I mean, what more can you say if, if – like if Aaron Judge and and Giancarlo stay, if they can stay healthy, I think the Yankees are going to be a tough team to beat. 
Yeah, it comes down to those two sluggers. Of course, they've been injured the last couple of years. Aaron Judge is a new face for that franchise. I know he had a home run streak recently that, uh, that ended in five, six games. I know he tore the cover of the cover off the ball against Boston last weekend. So, uh, if both of them can stay healthy, uh, sky's the limit for the Yankees. Uh, uh, he has a great pitcher led by Garrett Cole, who signed for a big contract uh, during the offseason. Uh, uh, the only thing that concerns me is their bullpen, just like last year, which gave them trouble. And number two, who's going to step up starting pitcher-wise to back up Garrett Cole? If they can solve those two issues, they will be the team to beat not just the American League, but in base, all of baseball. Yeah I, yeah, I agree. I think the Yankees are the only team in the – in the AL East, they're over 500 right now. Probably the most disappointing team, I would say, is the Rays and the Jays. Say that two times fast. Mm-hmm. The A's, you know, the Jays have been struggling. Of course, granted, I'll, I'll let them off the hook here that, listen, they're playing in Buffalo as their home turf because mm-hmm. you know, Toronto, they won't let them. Of course, you know, Toronto, they won't let them play there. So, that's, I think that's we don't of, want you Americans in our country. Yeah, I will say, yeah. So I think that's playing. I think that's kind of an issue there for them for their struggles. The Rays, I mean, a lot of people thought the Rays would probably be sort of, you know, the team that could surprise some people. So what's wrong with the Rays? Uh, the lack of offense. Uh, right now they're struggling to, to score right out the gate, unlike the beginning of the, of the season. Of course, their starting pitching has been up and down, but I always give credit to manager Kevin Cash. So they're they, in the entire organization, they always have uh, a, enough talent to rally themselves around, but they don't have enough because of the budget and market size. So, but somehow they always find a way to win games and, and come together to have that cohesive unit. But right now, it's not happening. But hopefully, uh, um, they can get back on track soon because uh, they got a couple of pitchers left by Blake Snell. So yep. I, we'll, we'll see what happens. But they need to get it turned around quickly. Yeah, they play the Yankees this weekend, so they have to win that series in order to, like you said, to stay right there in contention for a spot in the playoffs. Um, I think that's it. Anything else baseball-wise? If not, you you lead the way on what we go to next. I want to go to let's do that hockey. Let's playoffs the qualifying round. Yes. Oh yeah, whatever it is. Whatever. Play in games, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Wherever it is. Uh, there's one going on right now. The Islanders are leading the Panthers four to one. And the Islanders could win that series is less than eight less than eight minutes left in the third. So barring a big comeback by the Panthers, looks like the Islanders will advance. So Okay, let's start. Let's start with our, our Blackhawks first. They're one game away. They look. They looked really good. They looked really good last night. I mean, they they came back from an early deficit. They've been able to kind of scratch and claw their way. Crawford's been able was able to make some saves late. So, what has impressed you so far about the Hawks and their their showing in this so far? Uh, as I predicted during um, before the series started, it was going to be about offense, offense, offense. Both teams have shown it so far. Of course. The Hawks took advantage of the Orlis mistakes in game one last week. Of course, the same thing happened in game two, but it was the Orlis turn to take advantage of the Hawks' mistakes, and that's what happened. Game three, <clears throat> the Hawks played a little bit better, but Edmonton was right there. And let's be honest, if you really look at that game closely, Edmonton should have won, but the Hawks scored yep. two goals within the last six-plus minutes of the game. Uh, the Hawks talked off, played a, a hell of a third period. But Edmonton, I, I, I didn't, I 
couldn't say it out loud with my head fast enough, but they're kind of sitting back thinking that that's going to take care of itself, especially in playoff, playoff hockey. You cannot do that. So the Hawks, even though they're a young team, they still live by key veterans and Jonathan Tays and Patrick Kane uh, and Duncan Keith. If you give teams like that the advantage, uh, you, you make a mistake, teams like that will take advantage, and that's what the Hawks did in game three. So that's why they're up two to one right now. Corey Crawford, as you mentioned, he had to look great, but he's but he's done well enough yeah. to keep the Hawks in it. I'm not saying he's the reason why that's that they're bad or anything like that. No, I'm not saying that he's the best goalie on their roster right now. I'm not looking for um, Malcolm Subban or anybody else to start in that you're crazy. But uh, <laughs> for the Hawks to close it out uh, in game four, Corey Crawford has to be in his best. But most importantly, uh, those six defensemen or seven defensemen, if Jeremy Council, the head coach, decides to go with that, uh, those defensemen will have to play well because Conor McDavid and Leon Dreidestel has killed the Hawks in this series so oh, yeah. far. They're, those are the only two people that have been scoring consistently for Edmonton. Yeah, yeah. If you can stop looking, if you can stop either one of those guys, I think the Hawks will be in good shape because they really don't have any uh, anybody else that can score for the Oilers. So if they contain one of those guys, if if one of them kills you, fine. But if you contain one of them, I think I think the Hawks will be in good shape. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I gotta say, I agree. The, yeah, yeah. Well, look, there we go. <laughs> there we go. Let's let's keep up with the theme here. Um. I think the team has looked really good so far. The, the Hurricanes have looked really good. They beat the Rangers. They've advanced. Um, Montreal's looking really mm-hmm. good. It's been forever since they've advanced in the playoffs, which is, you know, which is crazy <laughs> to think, right, Sid? I mean, and now the Penguins have, you yeah. know, have switched goalies. Tristan Jerry, Jari, I think that's how you say his name. I don't, I don't want to make sure I'm saying his name, right? Mm-hmm. He's going to be in gold tonight, so... Who else has impressed you so far in this round robin play in whatever they call whatever they want to call it in the NHL? <laughs> uh, just for the qualifying round of the New York Islanders, as you mentioned, as I'm watching here, uh, they lead four to one over Florida right now. I know the coach called Joe Quinville was coaching the Florida Panthers, the former Hawks coach. It looks like he's going to go down here in the next few minutes or so. But uh, the Islanders have impressed me. Montreal, as you mentioned, that has been an entertaining series to yes. watch. I don't know if we caught the opening game last Saturday night, but uh, I did, Pittsburgh, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, there were, Montreal was leading. Pittsburgh came back to Montreal, won it in overtime. It's been a back and forth affair. Like I said, it's been a long time for Montreal, since Montreal reached the Stanley Cup final. I think the last time they did it was back in 1993. Yeah. But their recent playoff success has been few and many. I know the last time they reached, I think the conference final was 2014, that's when the Rangers beat them in six games. But yeah. with that being said, uh, if you really take a look inside that series, Montreal has been the better team. Yep. Now, the other side for Pittsburgh, they still have aging stars and they had veterans, but I think that those cup runs from 2016 and 2017 is starting to catch up with them a little bit. Wow. So I know they had recent success, like unlike the Blackhawks not missing the playoffs the last few years. I think that the, all those games and, and, and all those miles are are catching up to Pittsburgh. And let's just be honest here, Montreal has been a better team. Yeah, yeah I agree. I, Montreal has been a much, the much better team. So we'll see if they we'll see if they can catch up tonight and tie that series and force a game five. Um, Vancouver can finish it up tonight against Minnesota. 
uh let me see what else uh yeah everything else has been going on i mean uh the predator uh no actually the coyotes could actually wrap up their series set against the predators later on in about like it actually should be puck drop should be right now so any you know mm-hmm. should will there be like any surprises any upsets you expect I would say Nashville, but like you said, like you mentioned, I've been uh, unimpressed with them. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if the Coyotes take that series. Uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, teams that lack lack to score consistently, especially during playoff time, even though the the the, the game of pace, uh, the the tempo of the game changes in playoff time. Right. If you cannot score, you're not going to go anywhere. This is not old school hockey where uh, where the where the limit of offensive opportunities are, are limited because the way the game is structured. Now it's wide open. It, it's wide open. If you don't have the athletes or the, the challenges of you know, scoring threats off of down your roster, you're just not going to win. Of course, you got to have strong goal setting, but if you just uh, lack to score the puck, you're not going to go anywhere. Right. Exactly. So, We'll see what happens with these games tonight. Toronto, I mean, the Blue Jackets could beat Toronto tonight, and also Vancouver can wrap up their series against Minnesota. You think either one of them, you know, end tonight or they go to five? I think Vancouver wins tonight, and I'm going to put my faith in Toronto. They'll push it to five. Okay. All right. Because I know they had a coaching change early in the year. Yeah, they did. Mike Babcock, and then they picked it up right afterwards. So, yeah. Yeah, we'll see what happens. That should be those should be two two of the later games. Remember, the Hawks game is at five forty five Chicago time on NBC Sports Chicago NBC Sports Network. I'm sure NBC Sports Chicago. I'm sure they'll they'll have it as well. But the yeah, local, both. Yeah, both. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you'll have both of those to choose from. So should be a fun. We'll see if the Hawks can take it later on today. Um, to the NFL. Let's go to the gridiron, Sid. Let's talk to some NFL. Um, the total of 66 players have opted out. The opt-out deadline was yesterday, about I think about 6 o'clock, I think, our time. 66 players in total decided to opt out. Um, are you surprised that the number isn't higher? Are you, and are you surprised at who decided to opt in or opt out? Uh, maybe about the numbers a little bit, but I thought it would be a whole lot more. Thank goodness it's not. So... Um, maybe the NFL can say, well, we're doing our job here, blah, blah, blah. We'll, we'll see in the coming weeks when, um, when the test results start to come out. But I know the New England Patriots, as we mentioned last week, we're looking at that, a number of key players are that, that have opted out. I know they lead the league with eight players, including two starters uh, that have opted out, including Dante Hightower, the linebacker, who's a new father now, and Patrick Johnson, who's been there for a long time as a free safety, he, he opted out as well. So, um, well, hopefully things can improve for football. I know they're taking the chances like everybody else, but the difference is they're doing it without a bubble. So we'll, we'll see what the test results are. They should be coming out soon to see how many players have tested positive. Uh, hopefully it's not that many. We know it's going to be some, but hopefully it's not that many. I know a couple of players that have come off their teams, quote-unquote, hopefully listen clean. Detroit Lions quarterback Matthew Stafford and Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback Gardner Minshew. So uh, I know things are looking on the up and up for those two players. So hopefully it, um, the results won't be as bad as people people would think. So, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, um, Jerron Allison from the Lions, Evan Funches from the Packers. We t- we talked about Damian Williams. 
for the Chiefs, Alan Hearns mm-hmm. for the Dolphins. So just among some of the players that have decided to opt out. Of course, Eddie Goldman. I mean, mm-hmm. look, look, we're, look, we're not going to belittle these guys. I mean, look, there's still a lot that we don't know about this disease. So I don't blame them for not wanting to opt in. Mm-hmm. We'll see. But yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting, though. And like you said, Sid, I mean, we're going to start hearing about some of these testing. You got these testing protocols. Good for the players. You need to kind of work that out to make sure it's in that language because it probably would not mm-hmm. have been otherwise. So I'm glad that they're doing that. And I'm glad that they're kind of, you know, holding NFL's feet to the fire her to make sure that you get, you know, good testing. Even though I think from what I read that Stafford, he the always why he was out because he got a false positive, and so they had to take a couple more tests, and both of those came back neg- mm-hmm. negative. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting, though, so Sid. I mean, like you said, they're, they're doing this sort of, like, Zoom style like we're doing here with some of these, <laughs> with some of these, uh, like, practices, if you will. You know, I think you got, like, mm-hmm. one, you got, like, some, like, defensive players on one end. You got offensive players on another end and special teams. So, it's mm-hmm. going to be very interesting, though, to see how this goes. Yeah, did you hear Chicago Bears head coach Matt Nagy told his players and the staff, wear your mask? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like you always remind us every week. <laughs> oh yeah, look, I love, <laughs> I love it. I heard, I heard what he said. I mean, look, there's a reason why I love, I love Coach Nagy because he is a very transparent guy. So I'm, I'm glad he's taking, holding this guy's mm-hmm. task, say, and everybody else can task. Say, look, wear your mask. We've been saying it for all these months. Wear your mask, and I'm glad that not to be political here, but I'm glad our governor, Governor JB Pritzker, here in Illinois, has you know, put it on the task of these businesses sort of tell their customers, look, you cannot come in unless you wear a mask. So I'm glad, I'm glad they're doing mm-hmm. that. All right. So wear yeah. your mask week. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, with teams starting to um, come in for camp, uh, you know, camp, yeah, Cam Newton now with his new digs over in New England. Um, Vic Beasley finally reported he's going to have to go through some uh, through testing as well. For the Texans, for the Titans, I should say. So, what are you expecting so far from all of this, especially since this whole unprecedented off season? Uh, as we as we mentioned last week, uh, there will be no preseason games this year for the NFL. So, what I'm looking at is, like you said, Lakina, how will these teams conduct their practices? Everybody cannot be in the building uh, uh, all at once like they have it, uh, in the past. And how will the players and coaches uh, practice social distancing? Because once you get on the field, all that all that is gone. But once you're in the building, and, and how, and also how the players handle themselves away from the field. Of course, in a quote-unquote normal setting, they would tell them, oh, you know, don't get in trouble, don't go to certain places uh, to that degree. But right now, uh, how much will players be responsible? Because you don't, you don't want to end up like the Miami Marlins and, and do something that you're not supposed to do and have, have a team outbreak. That would just be a killer for the sport. So I'm looking at those aspects right there. I wanted to ask you a question before we move on. Okay. And this, I almost forgot. We kind of mentioned it last week, uh-huh. but I didn't realize we were coming up so close on it. Uh, this coming Tuesday will be the debut of the HBO Hard Knocks of oh, the Los yeah. Angeles Chargers and the Los Angeles Rams. And I was listening to some station out there in L.A. Uh, they were running a contest, and, and they said it was coming up on Tuesday. I was like, interesting. And we <laughs> talked about it last week. I said, since uh, since uh, NFL films cannot follow the preseason games this year because the preseason slate has been canceled, I said, how can, how can the NFL and HBO be creative? Of course, you're going to follow the guys. 
they're trying to make the team. And there's always going to be a story about a player that he was cut from five, six other teams for the last five years. He's trying to make this team. And there's going to be an aging veteran that uh, well, will that be that better be uh, cut or what have you. And then you're going to follow the star player. So I want to see how NFL fans and HBO will be creative to profile these teams and some of the key players and some of these quote-unquote uh, no-name heroes since there'll be no preseason pre action to follow. And it'll be interesting to see how, the co how much the coaches are going to be showcased here. <laughs> I mean, look, if you yeah. lose to Anthony, Anthony Lynn and Sean McVay, who are the coaches for the Chargers and the, and the Rams, respectively, they, they actually are pretty engaging. So I'm wondering how much are they going to be, show are they going mm -hmm. to be showcased? You know, we know Aaron Donald is sort of a quiet guy. So, you know, yes, he's this big, burly, like, you know, very, like, tough on the field. But he's actually pretty soft-spoken. So we'll see how much he's, you know, how much he's showcased. Uh, with no Phillip Rivers there for the Chargers, Who's going to be that that big star? Will Will Joey Bosa be that that star <laughs> for the Chargers? I mean, I, I think they're doomed. I think. Do you think so? You think he'll be the breakout star? I think Bosa. Yeah, that's a good call. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like I said, we'll see. I mean, of course you're going to follow the guys, you know, the practice squad guys trying to make the team and and such. So it'll be interesting to see how all this is set up. I got to make sure I, I record it for Tuesday because this is going to be very interesting. How how they're yeah, going to film? Can... How they're going to film this? Go ahead, Sid. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, I just I just wanted to see how much will they show in front of the, on the of the camera because of the teams that are, that participate in hard knocks they have final say on what goes over the air. Now I want to see if how much will they show their players getting tested, how they get tested, will they show the entire process, the entire process of how these players and coaches and other staffs are, right. how do they get tested? Will they show the whole process or part of the process? I'm really to see how they've all plays out. Yeah, I'm sure. That, yeah, I'm sure they're, they're going to have to show that. That's sort of like the new normal right mm -hmm. now. So, how much do they show? Yeah. Do they show people that, hey, you know what? If you're afraid to get tested, this is how it works. And you know, if a if a big, mm -hmm. you know, big, you know, football player can do it, you guys can do it too. So maybe we'll see if they show that. But it, it should be exciting. I mean, like I said, I was I was sort of you know had my reservations about those two teams being picked, but. Who knows? Maybe they'll they'll prove me wrong, especially in this in this climate where they're going to have to sort of like keep their distances and stuff. How much can they actually show, and or, or we'll be able to actually film? That should be interesting. Um, ben Roethlisberger is coming back from probably one of the worst injuries of his career. He said he a lot of people think that he's done, and he relishes on the fact that being the other dog. We'll see if what he can do for Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh can sort of be in contention for the AFC, AFC North, I should say. So what do you think? Um, hopefully Big Ben can stay healthy, first of all, and have a great year. Number two, he's aging. I know he's entering his, I can't believe this is 14th season in the NFL. Crazy. All of them has been in a black and gold uniform. So congratulations to him on that. I know he's a future Hall of Famer. But with that being said, uh, let's see if he can stay healthy. I know Pittsburgh has a good young defense, but on the offense, uh, they struggled to run the football a year ago. Yeah. Uh, and at times they struggled to score points. I know they had Doug Hodges and whoever else was running the quarterback, but uh, it makes it Rudolph. But uh, ultimately, they, they fell short of the playoffs by one or two games a year ago. You, you can see that a superstar quarterback, i.e., like Ben Roethlisberger, his injury made the difference of why they didn't play in the postseason a year ago. 
Yeah, that, that that's going to be the big difference. Can he stay healthy? Like you said, he's he's about our age, so <laughs> it gets harder and harder to recover from <laughs> injury, those type of injuries. So I I'm, I'll be cheering mm-hmm. for him. I know and that's going to be a tough division. Yeah, exactly. So I'll be I'll be cheering for him to for him to stay healthy. We'll see what happens in the AFC North. It's going to be very competitive. We'll we'll talk more about it once we start previewing our division. So yeah, that should this should be this should be fun. Uh, Anything else before we move on? Uh, did you? Uh, I saw this on the bottom line earlier today. Uh, I hope that, that you saw this as well. Uh, the SEC is requiring ah, coaches yeah. and players to wear masks. Yeah. I just saw it on the bottom line on the headline. I don't know if you saw that. Or not. Yeah, I saw that. Discuss that uh, yeah, for a minute yeah. or two. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, yeah, we, 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 we transitioned to talk about college football anyway. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sure other, I'm sure the other other conferences are doing the same thing. I mean, Northwestern just has, just returned their regular activities after one positive test. Illinois has had some of their issues with positive tests, but they, mm-hmm. you know, they've kind of been able to tame it. So, it's not to the extent where Michigan State and Rutgers and those into those respects. But uh, yeah, I mean, look, like I've been saying, Division two and three have canceled their fall sports. For the fall, and in some cases, mm-hmm. postpone. I know that um, I know that the Big Sky, the Big Sky Conference, where Weber State and Montana and those schools, they decided to postpone their fall sports till spring. They're encouraging their fellow FCS conferences to do the same thing, and some have already done that. Some have not decided what they're going to do, but yeah, I, I mean, it's unfortunate that the Division One doesn't <laughs> seem to be like it's like the Power Five, like you. Though you're on your own, so I don't know. What do you think, Sid? Yeah, as we said before for the last few weeks, it shows the lack of uniformity uh, within the NCAA. I don't know. The president, Mark Gamberg, said uh, it's up to these five uh, power conferences. They're on their own. We can only do so much. And is, I'm doing a Jordan Shrug at, at <laughs> exclusively. Like, what else I can do? It's out of my hands. I don't know. We, we're going to pray and hope that we can get through this. It's like, you know, you, you know, he said this throughout, uh, throughout this pandemic, like, you know, the NFL and the NCAA had time. And so yeah. it seems to me, maybe I'm reading into this too much, but it seems like to me, we all know that the NCAA is crooked for other reasons as, uh, as well. But it seems like to me they really didn't have a plan or a backup to a backup to a backup plan. It seems that to me from the outside looking in, they're they're disorganized. And I think it's a little bit more messy than we thought. Yeah, especially on the Division One side, right? I mean, they're sort of like, okay, you know, you guys do. You guys make the decision. Or no, you guys make the decision. Or no, you guys make the decision. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll bring somebody else in to make the decision. Like, okay. Look, I mean, you got some of these teams are already practicing. You got some of these guys are on campus. I know, I know Loyola. They don't have a football team, of course, but I know Loyola, some of their like soccer mm-hmm. players and volleyball players, they had to actually leave because they're doing all virtual learning for the fall semester over Loyola. So again, this shows you how this disorganized this whole thing is. I mean, there have been some other guys that have, that have dropped out. We can talk about Caleb Foley from uh, Virginia Tech, Rashad Bateman from Minnesota, mm-hmm. the top wide receiver. Micah Parsons, who's an All-American from linebacker from Penn State, he opted out. Um, Jordan Reed, who's an offensive lineman from not not that Jordan Reed, but this Jordan Reed's off is a top offensive lineman <laughs> from Michigan State. He's opted out. Rondell Moore, their best Purdue's best player, a top wide receiver, he's opted out. You know, among other notables, a uh, uh, 
a trio of DBs for Matt Brown's North Carolina Tar Heels. They've opted out. So we'll see if this, this list mm-hmm. increases. Oh, Cassie Woods, you know, of course, we talked about the Pac-12 and what everything's going on. You know, he was sort of like the guy that kind of like was the face of it. He decided to opt out after he was basically saying that you can't participate. So he decided, you know, I'll, I'll opt out instead. So, you know, Caleb Farley, we, we mentioned him from Virginia Tech. So it'll be interesting if this, this list grows longer, Sid. Yeah, it will be interesting uh, to see that because the more that, that growth, especially if you have your star players like Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback out of Clemson, and some of the other uh, five-star studs there, they know they're going to get drafted high in the NFL draft. They start opting out. You're really in trouble. And those power teams will be in trouble as well because they don't have the, the key players to help them win games. But, excuse me, I'm going back to the Minnesota wide receiver. Uh, I heard him on the national radio show last night. He was talking about why he opted out because he said his girlfriend has diabetes and one of yeah. his other family members uh, was sick as well, had a uh, serious health condition as well. So, yeah. And he said he's been getting support, and so, and, and that's good good to hear. So, as you mentioned before, like, um, going back to the NFL, I don't begrudge any player for, for opting out because they do what's best for themselves and for their families. And it's all about the long term as well, not the short term, but the long term as well. Yeah, yeah, Rashad Bateman, we were talking about the Minnesota wide receiver. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. he, he explained it on his, on his um, social media, on both Instagram and his Twitter, why he decided to opt out. P.J. Fleck, you know, said, look, I support him and any other players that want to opt out and who want to, you know, for their, not only mm-hmm. for their, their careers, but also for their health and for their family's health and, you know, girlfriend's health and, and whatnot. So, yeah, listen, good for these guys and, Look, we've been seeing, like, the power play, you know, we're seeing what happened at, over at Colorado State. If you guys haven't heard what happened at Colorado State, I mean, their, their, their players are mm-hmm. sort of worried about, you know, that they're going to crunch, they're going to, like, you know, well, punch the numbers or, or soften the numbers, if you will. They don't want their guys to tell anybody about positive testing, so they're investigating that over at Colorado State and some other stuff's going on. We talk about the Pac-12 and, the, you know, the Big Ten. You know, and then there are guys. So I'm glad that students are – I'm glad the athletes are realizing their power here because Nisola does not have the best interests. We've been saying that for a long time now. <laughs> Especially this has sort of been manifested thanks to this pandemic. So, you know, there you go. Yeah, look, look what's going on with Oregon in the Pac-12 right yeah. now. Pac-12 right now. And you started to uh, see other players from around the country uh, trying to organize as well. Uh, can we get paid now? Uh, Will our demands be met in terms of testing and things along that line? So, like you said, Akina, um, players are uh, recognizing their power, which is a great thing. As we always say, uh, everybody's getting paid except for the players when it comes to college sports. Oh, yeah, and I'm sick of everybody saying, well, they're getting scholarships and blah, blah, blah. I mean, look, if a, look, if a musician if, if a musician gets signed to a record contract, they can still make money and they can still go to school if they want to. If, you know, if like mm-hmm. somebody like a top science, you know, program, you know, if Men- if Mensa wants someone to help them help a costume with, with science experiments or cure, develop a cure for this, you know, this COVID-19, they can make money off that. These athletes, they can't make money off of it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad that they're, they're, they're starting to realize their power play. All right. Uh, yeah, I mean, do you think there's going to be college? I, I thought I thought I saw somewhere where I think I forgot the school crap. I just had it up in my top of my head that they are going to allow like twenty to twenty five percent capacity 
at their stadium. <laughs> I forgot who it was during it. I'll, I'll try to find it, but what do you think about that, Sid? Uh, I, uh, I know the University of Illinois, um, they had the same thing as we reported on this show a few weeks ago. Uh, that would be great if that state uh, allows it. Um, here's the thing, as we said before, if you have guidelines in place for the fans and for the players, and, and that if your particular state is uh, not as high as a risk for COVID-19 like these other states that are, are hot spots like Florida, Arizona, Texas, and parts of California, then go ahead and unball for it. But if you're in one of those states or you're on that borderline of being one of the hottest spot states, you know, as much as we all as fans want to be in the sense, it wouldn't be such a good idea. Yeah. So if you're one of those states that it's not that bad, why not? Uh-huh, I agree. Uh, wait a minute, we got some breaking news here, Mr. Brown. Give me a second here. Uh, oh, a local kid. <laughs> yeah, I'll say pom 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 pom. We got we got to get that music. We got to get that music going on. <laughs> we got to get a, a, a some type of like breaking news music. Uh, Tough Borland, who is the All Big Ten linebacker from Ohio State, has announced that he is opting out. He's expected to be a top pick. So let me read this statement. Blah, blah, blah. This is live. I'm reading this as I as I go here, folks. Uh. <laughs> Being exploited, yada yada yada. Uh, okay, yeah. So he, yeah. So he's not opting out, but he actually posted a a letter that was sent, I guess, from the Ohio State Athletic Department. Um, yeah. So it would be interesting that you know they're not being exploited and blah blah blah. So if you're gonna get those folks that are gonna be saying, "Oh, they're not being exploited," yes, they are. Stop it. So. <laughs> And so, uh, yeah, I mean, come on now. Uh, come on now. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Listen, I'm sure there are players that want to be there. I mean, it's sort of a next man up mentality. If one guy opts out, I mean, there's always going to be some guy behind that's going to want to, you know, have that spotlight. So we'll see where this, how this goes. All right. Uh, the PGA Championship is going on in the Bay Area. So over at TPC Harding Park. And the good news is, you know, if you're CBS, you get some prime time golf this weekend. So, yeah, I'd be feeling pretty good about that. Uh, Lee Hong Chong, who is a, who's from China, but speaks multiple languages. He's actually placed in the European tour. He's up three shots from Tommy Fleetwood, who's made, also made a nice little run. Also Paul Casey. Guys like Jason, you know, for those who are wondering, Jason Day and Tiger Woods, they're, they have not teed off yet because if they're in California, they'll tee off for like another three or four hours. So what do you expect from the, the PGA Championship? First major golf of the year. Yay! <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of excited as well. I'm, I'm a casual golf fan. Uh, if Tiger is in contention on Saturday going into Sunday, I am going to watch. Because I think we talked about this before, like getting back on the radio. Uh huh. The golf has that next young superstar that can cross over into areas like yours truly. That they don't care about golf. They do want to care about golf, but uh, they don't watch it on a regular basis. As uh, of course your hardcore fans do, because Tiger can cross over any genre, any generation, and to uh, bring new people in to watch golf. I know people complained about other golfers uh, that they just don't have the personality that Tiger does. 
Of course, we all know that part of it is because of the color of his skin. Let's not ignore that. But with that being said, do you have other young and upcoming stars that can translate the golf to other areas and to new people that can draw new interest into that sport? Right now, uh, from what I've been here, I just don't see it. Okay, well, yeah, I mean, look, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see where, where that goes. I mean, look, Tiger doesn't tee off till about f- right before 4 o'clock our time. So a little – he's at 200 right now. So if he, if he has a nice round, he'll be mm-hmm. right – he can be right there at contention. We'll see. I mean, like you said, I'm sure CBS would love to have him and, and, and Phil and, you know, Brooks Chapka, who's the defending champion, you know, them plus primetime golf. Should be – that should be interesting. Should be a fun one. And – Look, I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, we finally got some major golf, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, like I said, Tiger's there on Sunday. And like I said, with the primetime coverage, CBS, as you well know, they'll have the highest greens probably ever. Oh, yeah. there'll be no fans in attendance. Oh, yeah. Look, even with – I think even without Tiger, I mean, I think you got live major golf and in prime time. I mean, hey, that that's – look, you, you'll you'll take it. You know, not it's a perfect storm for CBS, and I think they'll. And I think a lot of their their people are there this week, which is good. You know, they're keeping their distance, of course. I'm sure you'll. I'm sure we'll have like plexiglass mm-hmm. between you know Jim Nance and Sir Nick Faldo. That'll be an interesting sight to see if they don't do like maybe like maybe a different part yeah. of the the studio. But uh, yeah, they'll be together again for the first time since this whole thing started. So it should be fun. I mean, I'm looking forward to it. Okay, anything else, Sid? We got a couple more minutes. Uh, real quick, and we talked about this before the show. Um, there's been a recent uh, amount of unfortunate cuts uh, for the NBC Sports regional networks and it affected uh, NBC Sports Chicago, which in the city that we're broadcasting from Chicago. Of course, um, uh, uh, working in this business, unfortunately, is going to be layoffs uh, uh, due to the bottom line. Of course, uh, we've all been uh, powering ourselves through this uh, difficult uh, pandemic for COVID-19, of course. Uh, NBC Sports Chicago has led, unfortunately, a, a hard, good, hard-working people go, including Layla Rahimi, um, a couple of cameramen, a producer, uh, of course, uh, 670 to score radio host, now former TV host over there, Lawrence Holmes. Uh, he was let go. So it's just really been unfortunate that that, that stuff like this happens, but you know, this is the business we chose to be in. So, we, like, as I mentioned before, we had to power through this. I uh, saw one of our good friends of the show, uh, Maggie Hendricks. I call her Auntie Maggie on this <laughs> show. She she tweeted out and said uh, and said that, and this is a, a bigger issue that uh, I wanted to get into. Maybe we just carry this over into our next podcast next week. But uh, there are no full time female hosts slash update anchors on the two uh, sports radio stations here in the city. That's ESPN 1000 and Sports Radio 670 is a score. I think the last one that they had that was on air full-time, and that was Sarah Spain before she went national a few years ago. So. Yeah. And I can't remember the last time the score had a full-time female host. I know Julie and Maggie, of course, talking about Maggie Hendricks and Julie DeCaro, they had their weekend shows. But outside of that, they haven't had a full-time female person there uh, um, in a long time. Of course, if you're our age and older, you remember Julie Swiker. She was the first female reporter out there uh, for a six, uh, at that time it was 820 yeah. uh, WSDR. Of course, uh, we have this person on our show. She's still working in sports here for WBD. That's Charlotte Ray Stout. 
she's the only full-time female uh, sports reporter on the radio side on the air here in this great city of Chicago. But it's just the lack of female representation uh, is really a problem. Yeah, it is a big Especially problem. Especially in the diverse city of Chicago. Yeah. In the third largest market in the country. Yeah, I'm just wondering, like, what's the logic here with NBC and what they're doing with all of their regional networks? Now you're hear we're hearing word that mm -hmm. maybe they'll do away with, like, you know, silent reporters and rank side, re rank side reporters and people like that. And so, you know, like, I'm, I'm wondering, like, what are, what's the logic here? Are they trying to streamline everything to, like, podcasts and stuff, which will actually be beneficial with some of our good friends who do mostly podcasts exclusively so or produce them, so... Maybe that's a good thing, but mm -hmm. at the same time, you know, like you said, Sid, I mean, where's the representation in the radio? I mean, I love, was a, we love a lot of the people. We've had some of them on our show, but where's the representation? Mm -hmm. I mean, we've got great females here that can do it. You know, hopefully, you know, hopefully, mm -hmm. I mean, hopefully Lila can, you know, can stay in Chicago and be able to, I, I, know it's gonna be, I know it's hard right now it's because of the pandemic. There probably aren't a lot of these networks are doing a lot of hiring, unfortunately. But maybe you know, maybe ESPN or maybe there was a score. will you know, we'll book her for a hosting gig full time. So, and for some of the others too. I mean, they, they lost. Speaking of that, lost a lot of good people. Yeah, go ahead, Sid. Mm -hmm. Yeah, speaking of that, I don't know if you caught this in, uh, in Robert Feeder's column about a week and a half ago, but uh, you know that Golden Gate Wingo, their more yeah. national morning show at ESPN 1000, uh, is coming to a close. Of course, they have Keyshawn Johnson, Jay Williams, and Zuckerman Hensley. They'll be taking over that spot starting not, not next week, but the week after, so in yeah. a couple of weeks. And so, if, 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 if most, some people may not know. This, but ESPN 1000 here in Chicago has never had a local morning show. It's right. always been national with Mike and Mike, and of course, Golick and Wingo. And now, as of right now, with this new team coming in, as I just mentioned. But uh, Robert Peter Peter said in his column that ESPN 1000 is looking to start a, a local morning show to viral uh, Mully and, and Hall. Uh, there's Mike Mulligan and David Hall over at 70 score. They're on from five to nine. So I was thinking. I said, who are they going to put over there? And it's especially, especially with the lack of female representation uh, uh, in radio, in, particularly here in this great city. Maybe Layla Rahimi can go over there. Maybe. Maybe Maggie Hendricks. I don't know. Uh, maybe someone that we don't know who's in this great city can go over there. Maybe we can push you over there, Lakina. But <laughs> with that being said, but with that being said, maybe you try something new. Uh, let's see if it works out. Maybe get get a female or two in there. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'm out of my mind. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, well, you, listen, that, that, how the mind works of yours works, Sid. I mean, <laughs> it, it, it's pretty funny. But, yeah, look, I, I read that I read that too, and I'm, I'm like, look, I mean, you know, scores been kicking, you know, ESPN 1000's butt in the rays in the mornings. You know, Molly and Hanley now, Molly and Hall, they're there, mm -hmm. you know, They've been doing their thing because it's local, especially when you have like when the Bears when their season comes. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the, if you mm -hmm. know they, if ESPN 1000 decides to do a little bit of uh, schedule shuffling, maybe move some guys from their current slot to that morning slot. Maybe you know, I'll no, well, so I don't think they're gonna I don't think they're gonna go, but that's that's their like their flagship show. They do well in the ratings, so they're I don't they're not going anywhere. But yeah. I think they may shuffle some of the other stuff. Will they put maybe Hoodie or JD in there in that slot? I know. I know they've got like other stuff going on. I know I know Hoodie does serious NBA stuff, and I know JD does a lot of Port Bear stuff. Mm -hmm. So 
like I said, it, w- it would be great if they could get Layla in there. You know, there is a rumor. I'm sure Mike Thomas, who's doing a lot of the, the, the scheduling and stuff, who's in charge of programming there for Good Karma mm-hmm. Brands. I mean, he's, he seems like a pretty smart guy. You know, there's a lot. We know people who work there, so they, they said there's a lot. There's a lot more excitement, a lot more energy. So that he's has brought. So mm-hmm. we'll see. We'll see. To be continued, no doubt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and also, too, before we get about it here, uh, uh, DVR this program, and this was part of the sports cuts over the NBC Regional Sports Network's um, uh, Sports Talk Live, which started at yeah. Chicago Tribune Live uh, back in 2004. The original host was Dan Jiggins. Yeah. But the, <laughs> I, I, watched, I watched the final broadcast of Sports Talk Live last night, in which they, they were part of the cuts as well. Unfortunately, we won't see that show anymore. First, it was CLTV Sports Feed, which I had the pleasure of being on that program <laughs> last year. And now Sports Talk Live. The reason why I brought this up, uh, this up because I was watching David uh, Kaplan, who, who's, who was, who's been the host of that program since 2007. Uh, he started to get teary out last night. And yeah. he said that uh, we hope that we brought you the viewer. I'll just paraphrase a little bit. We hope that we brought, uh, we hope we brought you the viewer, the, the passion and commitment to talking in Chicago sports about the day's hottest topics. And I, I kept thinking about um, uh, the D and Davis show. Ken Davis has been on that program multiple times. Uh, D made his appearance uh, on that. On, uh, he made his only appearance on that show. A uh, good friend, Maggie Hendricks, now former mm-hmm. six-seven-year tour, she, she was on that show multiple times. So, you know, they, they, brought, they, they, they brought the important people of Chicago uh who, who cover Chicago sports and national sports on that program. I am going to miss that program. Will there be will, uh, programs like that be resurfaced online? As you mentioned, Lakina, do there. My teams ever will be resurfaced on, um, on platforms like this, on Zoom or YouTube. We shall see. But it's sad to see that a local program like that has gone away. Like I said, uh, Sports Feed, they used to be on CLTV. Of course, their channel in that program no longer exists. Now, Sports Live is going away. It's just that have we come to a point that um, platforms like this cannot be seen on TV anymore? If it is, it's really sad. I know we're taking advantage of, of the social media platform, which I am happy for, but if you're just taking it off of TV permanently, that that, that just won't fly. As for people that listening outside the Chicago market, of course, like, you and I are in the same age group that we do remember when Sports Talk Radio started uh, in oh, Chicago. Yeah. Remember uh, the uh, the early sports debate shows. This was way before first take and the yep. sports reporters naturally. We had the sports writers on TV on old school sports channels. Oh, of course, yeah. not ABC, Sports Chicago. We had sports page uh, that used to be on CLTV. Um, friend of the show, Don Mitchell, was one of the hosts on there. Luke Canellis, Steve Cashel. Uh, Jill Carson, Peggy Kaczynski got her start when she came back to Chicago on that program. So we remember these shows when they were kicking off in the 90s, and it helped um, translate over to uh, uh, a new era, and especially now with, with the Internet coming along now with social media. Uh, I, I don't like that these programs, these uh, constructive, constructively uh, well-produced, sport, uh, well-trained sports debate shows going away. And now... Uh, it, uh, it, it, especially for uh, a hot local market like Chicago, the number three market, uh, you don't have shows like that anymore. It, it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And uh, I refuse to watch long stretches of first take, aka hot take. Okay. Uh, undisputed, I don't have too much uh, 
you with, but you know, <clears throat> always forget about that. But I really have a problem with first take because yep. it's really about what you think and putting fear into people and just having these fake debates. That, that that's not really a debate, you know, screaming and yelling at each other for no reason. It, 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 I, I don't know part of it is entertaining, but it it, it, it just all drives me crazy. <laughs> Well, yeah, I, look, I remember, though, like you said, Sid, I mean, like I said, we're the same age, so I remember sports reporters on, you know, on TV, on ESPN, the sports writers on TV, on the old, you know, sports mm-hmm. channel Chicago, I mean, some of the other ones, I mean, I hate that those types of programs mm-hmm. are going away, especially locally, because I think you need those kinds of shows, because I think people want to see those things, I think there's mm-hmm. an audience for that, and I'm glad that ESPN 1000 is recognizing that, so finally, <laughs> took a little longer, but you know, we'll see who ends up hosting that new morning show because I don't think they're I don't think they're gonna do like you know nothing against Keyshawn and Jay Will who you know who is still a beloved figure here and Zooms and Eddie who is a great great host over at a report and uh anchor over at ESPN also Sports Center but they're not gonna mm-hmm. I don't think you know they're not gonna it, it's not gonna work here in Chicago so you know I'm glad they're you know Mike Mike I know Mike Tom's is going that route of you know a new you know morning show but. I mean, it's unfortunate. I mean, I don't have a, I don't have really much use for any of those shows for, you know, Undisputed or especially First Take, especially. I don't want to see guys yelling at each other for like an hour and a half. I don't, I don't, look, I can, I can get that, I can get that with like a family gathering. <laughs> so I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to have that with sports every day. I mean, I don't mind a good debate, but not no manufactured like hot take. It's just absurd. So mm-hmm. hopefully, Hopefully, maybe said. Hopefully, maybe that's you know maybe those kind of maybe like the you know sports talk Chicago. Maybe those shows can come back, especially since people realize that there is a yearning for those type of shows. Yeah, hopefully, we can make it back to the TV airways. I know we're on our uh, social media platforms in which we are taking advantage of, which is a good thing. But we need those kind of sports debate shows and bring new voices in, and to have well healthy and educated debates instead of just. Uh, Throwing stuff against the wall, let it stick, and and, and and that's the trend right now, which which I debunked and which makes no sense. But uh, we'll see what happens because this industry is forever changing. Absolutely, and hope and hope, like I said, hopefully you know Layla will be able to stay in Chicago because she's mm-hmm. you know, and all those all not just her but all the people that got that were affected by the NBC Sports Regionals Network because there, there were a lot of veteran people yeah. people have been there for like 15 20 years um I know in the Bay Area they let go like 20 people so you feel for them I know a boss is like 17 or 18 people so you feel for all those folks or for all those yeah. NBC Sports Regional Networks <coughs> excuse me bless you yeah um, uh, good luck to them you know yeah absolutely and hopefully they'll be able to find something because I know with the pandemic, you know, yes, sports, but I think it is going to start getting back to normal soon. I think you're going to need a lot of those folks to come back. So hopefully that'll be the case, but we'll see. Uh, on that note, <laughs> oh gosh, I, you're leaving <laughs> on that sort of a somber note there, but, uh, but I guess we'll have to, you can follow me at Keena McGee on Twitter at Keena underscore me on the Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at SidKid80. That's once again at SidKid80. S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0. You can read all of my articles at weareregalradio.com. That's W-E-A-R-E-R-E-G-A-L radio.com. All right. So hopefully we'll be able to have even more guests to come on and talk about this, especially with you know, college football and NFL and also the NBA, you know, getting ready to start their playoffs in a couple of weeks. So that should be fun. So enjoy the sports this weekend. 
because yeah, this it, is going to be a lot of fun. You got a sports smorgasbord there, Sid. What are you looking forward to this weekend? Of course, if the Blackhawks can wrap up the series in Game Four tonight, or, or should they happen to extend this series, Edmonton extend this series to Game Five on Sunday. Hopefully, the Hawks can wrap it up and go into a normal round of sixteen for the Stanley Cup playoffs. So that's what I'm looking forward to. And of course, the White Sox second. Yeah. I'm looking forward to all that, plus also the PGA Championship. Will we see your know, live major golf? Yay. Uh, and also primetime golf, you know, of course, <laughs> being on the West Coast. So that should be fun. Um, also the MLS Cup. It will be Portland and Orlando. That'll be on Monday night, I believe. No, actually Tuesday night. So we'll probably talk about that for a little bit. Also, we'll, start as, we'll also see if we get, you know, the NBA finish up. That's that sort of the round robin sort of-esque, if you will, see – who makes it to those last couple of spots in the East and West. And, uh, yeah, I'll, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. Also, baseball, too. We'll see if the, the White Sox get back on track and the Cubs can keep up their kind of hot streak. So it should be fun. And hopefully we'll have more guests on to talk about it. You know, we're going to have Jason on. I'm sure we'll have a lot to say about the college football stuff that's been going on with players opting out and such. So, yeah, so – have fun out there. Stay safe, folks. I know it's going to be a little hot, but, you know, make sure you wash your hands and wear your mask. So, for Sydney on the key, this has been Texas State Sports Zoom style. Go Hawks! Wash your hands, kids, and wear your mask. <laughs>